if you will. Open up your Bible to 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. We've been talking on a subject called On to Maturity, or How to Grow Up in God. And there really is something to be said about growing in God. How many of you realize this? You never grew up until after you were born. I know that's a pretty profound, deep thought. People are like, let me think about that. In other words, we read a verse of scripture that said newborn babes or newborn Christians, people who are born of God, it said they need the milk of the word to grow by. So a person can be old and born again. Jesus made that statement and he went into great detail about what this being born new looks like and how it happens. It's not a physical rebirth. You know, because if that was the case and you came to church, think about it. You come to church, somebody tells you about Jesus, you go, I receive you, and like the song says, you become new spiritually. If it was physical, you'd, you'd all of a sudden turn into like a little infant. Now, who's going to drive your car home? That's going to look great, you showing up to work on Monday. They're like, who are you? And that's all you do. And just bring a bottle, you know, and drink milk. Well, he wasn't talking about a physical rebirth. He was talking about a spiritual rebirth. And without a spiritual rebirth, you cannot grow. Because you can't grow something that is not alive, so to speak. And so when a person gives their life to the Lord, that is not the end. It is just the beginning and something happens, not in your mind and not in your body, but in the spiritual part of you, you become new. Then after that, even though you could be 30 years old or however you, old you are naturally, your spirit can be fed and you can grow spiritually. So you could be 30 and 15. You get what I mean? A spiritual age and a physical age. Now, we can observe physical growth. Some of you are like, are you sure about that? Oh, yeah. We, haven't you ever tried to judge somebody's age? And you're like, you're this old. And they're like, no, I'm this. And you're like, oh, sorry. But, you know, there are signs for spiritual growth and what it looks like. And when you uh, develop some and look at some of the things we are going to look at, you can start judging spiritual development and what it really looks like. And so here in 1 Corinthians 13, and we will begin reading in the 11th verse, and there are many scriptures, and we made this observation in the Bible when we first started teaching this subject. Anybody who has been around the Bible knows that Jesus emphasized making disciples of people, and that people needed to become a disciple. You know, and ever heard that statement? You know, people talk about disciples and discipleship and all this stuff. But do you know that after the book of Acts, meaning everywhere in the whole New Testament, the word disciple is never used? Never again? Never again is the word disciple used. 
But Jesus, one of the last things he said in Matthew 28, now in, in Matthew 28, he said, go and make disciples of all people. And we went into detail about why that word is not used after the book of Acts. It said they found disciples there, there were disciples there, but after the book of Acts, it's never used. A new term is introduced, and it's called growing up. Growing up spiritually. And the same things Jesus, the same formula for being a disciple, we saw this, is the same exact formula of growing up spiritually. Jesus said, if you continue in my words, then you are my disciples. We saw the milk of the word of God makes you grow if you continue drinking it. Similar terms. And we went into detail and we won't go back into that. But we see in the New Testament from after the book of Acts, we see the terms growing up, you know, maturing being a baby, being young, and then being mature. I was going to say old, but mature. That's what I'm going to start saying. I'm getting more mature as I get older. Don't worry, when you get in your 50s, you'll think the same way. I'm just maturing. I'm not getting older. No, we are getting older. But the fact of the matter is, when he uses these terms in the Bible, he's telling us something. When, he, when they use the word disciple, it might be, not that you can't, I'm not opposed if we had a class, a discipleship class, but a discipleship class can't be just six weeks long. I mean, it can be, but it's only going to be that. Uh, it's not going to have the full impart if you don't continue doing things. In other words, you can't have a class uh, for eating for six weeks and then never eat the rest of the year and think you're going to grow and be strong, right? So, you know, a discipleship class would be great, but it would only be just a part. It couldn't be the end. Why? Well, you know, three years ago, I went to a discipleship class. Well, it has to be more than that because he said discipling is continuing in the word of God. So if you will, we're going to continue talking about growing up in God. And to me, uh, this could be, probably is, maybe the most important subject in the Bible for the believer. Meaning, it, it, and we'll look at this and see, and you'll realize as we talk about this, this is a um, formula for growth. There is no growth without this mixed into it. Notice 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11. When I was a child, sounds like age, I spoke like a child. You ever seen that TV program? It's probably videos now on YouTube. Kids say the darndest things. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And they can say some things that you just hope adults don't say. Kids can get away with it. You know, I have a pastor friend. Um, he's got great kids. They've grown now. But when they were little, we were talking on the phone and they were driving. And, you know, that song, 
uh, where they, the kids sing fee, fi, fo, fo, whatever, fofana, fofana, and then you see like car, car, for far, far, you know, and then the kids saw a truck, truck, so <laughs> F word, F word, then went to the next thing. Well, that kid didn't know what it meant. It just rhymed. You know, the kid's four years old. Pastor's kid, F, F, F. And him and his wife just acted calm because they were a child. They didn't know what they were saying. But now the daughter's grown, leads praise and worship, and if she got up going, dude, people would go, uh. Right? I mean, he didn't freak out over his daughter saying something. Matter of fact, I don't know if his daughter probably knows today. I probably ought to remind her next time I see her. Oh, yeah, I've, I know about this. You know, and she'd go, what are you talking about? But when you're a child, there are things you say sometimes you don't know. Sometimes we can say stuff. I remember when I was young, and I'm not saying I'm perfect in this, but I remember one time, and this is horrible, what I'm about to say. My grandparents, you know, they bought gifts for lots of kids. I don't even know if I should share it, but I'm going to. I'm committed. And they got me this cool metal Tonka dump truck. And it, like, they would spend the same amount. So they put all the money into this thing for each kid, you know. So, so one kid could get five gifts, and, but this gift equaled the five. And I remember opening it going, is this all I get? Say, I told you, now don't. Now, wait a minute. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. Hopefully, I put away those childish things. You know what I mean by that? And so he's basically saying, just like naturally we would do something like that, if you get saved and have given your life to the Lord, there is an opportunity now to grow. And you don't grow automatically. But if you're going to grow, what is going to be involved in growth is love. Not normal world love, because there's an opinion about love. You could, you, could, uh, you could hear people say, I love you. And if you really broke it down, they don't love you. They're like wanting to take advantage of you. Like, what if we really could hear what they were saying and they didn't know it, and they're like, I love you. And they're really going, I want to take advantage of you. I want to use you. And sometimes that's what love looks like in the world. You know, I want to get something out of you. And when you're used up to the side, get a new. You're not giving to me what I should be getting. I'm done. Because that kind of what the world calls love is really selfishness with a different title and banner on the front of it. Amen? I thought you loved me. Well, that's what they said, but is that what, what was behind it? So we're going to talk about God's love. And this will maybe not make you run around now, but it'll put a sweetness in you. It'll put a strength in you. It'll do something. We all need to visit this again and again in our spiritual walk. In other words, 
I had a steak last week. I hadn't had one in a long time. I don't know why. But you know what? When I had it, I went, oh. Now, if you're a vegetarian, you just have to think of something else. All the meat eaters should have said, yeah. No, I'm kidding. But, but I mean, I ate that thing, and I went, wow, this is real good. And, but that's not the last one I'm going to have. You know, there's certain foods you need to feed on uh, as you uh, are walking with the Lord. And, and they have to, you have to purpose to eat them. Uh, you do. They have to be introduced to you. Uh, you know, if you went to the gym and you only worked out your calves... People be like, whoa, massive calves. You need to work out other parts. You know, when I was growing up in high school, you know, you had weightlifting class and different things like this. The, the concept of lifting weights has drastically changed. They have learned this, that working on the core part of you is a massive part, not just certain muscles. Back then, it was just... Make your biceps look big. Make your triceps look big. Not work on the core of you. And what we need to know about our Christian walk is this. If you really want it to work right and really mature and develop and get, get the full of it, this that we're going to start talking about for a little bit about love needs to be fed. So here he said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. Uh, he said, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, child, man, young, old, growing up, he said, I put away childish things. So notice the three things that began to be affected in his growth. What he spoke, how he understood, and what he thought, the way of his thinking, how he processed. Isn't that true in life? You know, how we speak, what we speak, changes as we grow naturally. Same thing true spiritually. Our understanding, how we see things, how we function. What if you were, you know, 10 years earlier at your life, you would think your understanding and how you observe things and look at things has changed. How did that happen? By experience, information, knowledge, whatever. But in growing up in God, it comes through the Word of God and by the Spirit of God. And then he said, I thought as a child. But when I grew, I started putting things away. Here's what you need to recognize growth is not one day you're one way, the next day everything's different. In growing through the process of growth, you will start putting little things away. You know, I was talking to somebody last night about, you know, some of you know Dennis and Teresa who had, have been in the church for years and they've been gone for a couple of months. They're doing the Appalachian Trail from basically Georgia to Maine or somewhere, Canada, you know. They've already gone 700 miles. 
they're losing weight and eating more. What a formula. I just don't know if I want to walk that far. <laughs> but we were talking. I said, you know, they have kids and grandkids. I said, those grandkids in just those few months, they're going to come back. And the grandkids are not going to notice, you know, six months or five months growth. Said when they come back, they're going to look and go, whoa, they changed. Are you with me? But to the parents, they won't think, what does five months do? Or what does nine months do? It doesn't happen overnight. But if you uh, could stand back and look where you know, they were at this point in here, it will be gradual, but it will be noticeable. Are you with me? And so when we talk about this growth here, notice the chapter we're in. Verse or chapter 13. Most people who have been to a lot of these stores that sell home stuff, you know, to decorate your house, it's not uncommon to see inspirational sayings, right? Or, or maybe a scripture. And one of the scriptures you'll often see is love is patient, love is kind, love is this, love is this. An explanation of what love is. And do you know where that comes from? Right here, this chapter in the Bible. This whole chapter is given to the understanding of how love works for the Christian. And what it will do for you. Love is a very interesting thing. Love is kind of like threads in a garment that holds the garment together. You know, haven't you ever watched a cartoon where somebody pulls the thread and the whole thing comes apart and then nothing's there? Is everybody thinking about tacos? No. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. They pull it and all of a sudden, wham, the thing's gone. Love in the Bible and from God's standpoint is what holds things together in the Christian walk, and really things aren't the right way without love. I mean, we're going to look at some things here that are just tremendous. Notice verse 1 of this chapter. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels. So, you know, the subject of speaking in tongues is mentioned again and, and, and again in the Bible. For the Christian... And, and there's a lot of context, but he said, though I, speak with, though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels, but notice this phrase, but I do not have love. I have become a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. Let me put this in simple terms. Weren't the drums good today? maybe you didn't notice them, then that means probably it was good. You, you know what I mean by that? But, you know, you ever seen a little kid get a drum set and they've never played drums before? And you're like, that was maybe not the best idea. Like, kang, kang, kang. And he's saying, if you have t speak in tongues to God or you speak to people but don't have love, in other words, love needs to be interwoven and it'll make the sound of words something. 
that is good. Notice the next part. And though, verse 2, I have the gift of prophecy. In other words, speaking by inspiration of God. And understand all mysteries and all knowledge. Basically, you're a know-it-all. But you know what makes somebody who knows something uh, interesting to listen to? Is having love woven into it. Isn't it interesting when we read last couple of weeks how that ministers are to speak the truth in love and all of us need to grow too and keep growing. Speaking the truth in love, it needs to be interwoven, may grow up. Not just speaking the truth. But notice here, though we, and he's talking about everybody in the body of Christ, it doesn't matter if we're you know, what people would call a professional minister or whatever people would call to anybody if he said this, and though I have the gift of prophecy or speak by inspiration of God and understand all mysteries and, and all knowledge, and you know, in other words, I have a really good working understanding of the scriptures and different viewpoints so that I could I'm sorry, knowledge, and though I have all faith. So now he's talking about faith to move mountains. So that I could move mountains, get answers in prayer. But I, but have not love, I'm nothing. In other words, I can get results, but what really helps is and, and affects things in a, in a greater dynamic is when love is woven into this. Isn't it interesting, and I, I know at times I've missed the mark and thought, you just can't change it instantly, so you've got to start feeding your way there. Are you with me? And so this isn't to condemn anybody, but it is to give an understanding. If you have all knowledge, you have a great working understanding, you speak by inspiration of the Spirit, but do not have love, you're nothing. In other words, eh. This may not make a shout now, but one thing we're noticing is this will just change things in such a good God way. And if you notice, each time he talks about the things we do, weaving love into them. The third verse. Notice this, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, in other words, I'm going to be a martyr for the Lord. I'm going to die for the Lord. I'll, I'll, I'll do His work and I'll die for Him. Well, that is admirable. But notice this, but though I give my body to be burned and but have not love, it profits me nothing. In other words, sure, I may die for the Lord, go be with the Lord, but I don't get a reward for it because I didn't do it out of love. I did it not with the right motive. In other words, is love woven in? And in the context, we read down to where love needs to be woven into our lives to help us to grow. Remember that 13th chapter? But now that we're there in the 13th chapter, and we're going to change real quick here. Notice verse 13. After he goes through this whole thing, he said, 
and now abides faith, hope or expectation, a future hope, a future expectation and love. These three, but the greatest of these, and think about it, you cannot get saved without faith. You can't get answers to prayer without faith. You know, hope is what anchors the soul to keep us in peace in these days we live. I mean, we can just see the value of faith and love. And the Bible said you can't even please God without faith. And he said the greatest of all these is love. Because you can have faith and it needs to be interwoven with love. You can have hope, it needs to be interwoven in love. You can be one who preaches and shares and is a witness, but for the, the greater effectiveness, it needs to be woven together with God's love. Everybody with me? Turn to Colossians, the third chapter. Colossians, the third chapter. And it's interesting, uh, these terms concerning love and how that they that love is to be interwoven in all the things we do. If you serve in church, love should be something that should be a driving factor. How we treat one another. Amen? And we're going to look at this, and we're going to see this makes up the kingdom and should be a vital part. Remember Jesus said this, if you walk in love, people will know you are my disciples. We're, we will look at that in detail later, I'm sure. But what's very interesting, the Bible said this, God is love. It doesn't say God is powerful or is, or is just God is power. Now we know he's all powerful beyond what we could ever imagine, but it says God is love. Now, you understand, I said this at the beginning, the world has an opinion of love, and, and it's kind of, you know, in some instances, it's some weak, wimpy thing. But the way God's love is, is, is very interesting. It's a giving of self. It's not about me as the highest priority. It's first God, then other people. And as a matter of fact, the Bible said if you don't love other people appropriately, you don't know God like you should yet. Talking to Christians. Amen? Amen. I told you it may not make you shout, but this will change a marriage. This will change a home. Psychology won't change some things. The Word of God will change and has the potential to change everything. But really, some people want instantaneous change. And really, growth is the answer to a lot of things. Are you with me? So where did I tell you to turn? Colossians, the third chapter and the twelfth verse. We'll begin right there. Therefore, as the elect of God, who's he writing to? People who have given their lives to the Lord. People who are born again. Therefore, as the elect of God. Notice what he said. 
holy and beloved. That's the title and the way God looks at you. We should be thinking that way of one another, holy and beloved. Even if people aren't perfect, if they're saved, we need to look at them like they're holy. They're holy. They're set apart for God. And they are beloved. And if God loves them, we should love them. And if God's patient with them, and he's patient with us, we should be patient with them. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies. Put on kindness. Humility. In other words, not lifting up myself, but wanting to help lift others and putting myself under God and His ways. Humility, meekness, long-suffering. In other words, long-suffering, really you could say this, patience is what you do in circumstances. Long-suffering is the same definition, but what you do with people. You don't change. And, and, and we can grow in this. It's, it's spiritual growth. And the reason we teach this is it, it, it's the milk of the word that causes us to grow. Some people don't realize you thought tacos were going to do the deal today. No, the word of God is going to help you. Notice this. Long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. Forgiving one another. Why is it important for Christians to forgive one another? Remember I said how love binds things together and it interweaves? We're going to read a verse here in a minute where it talks about love should be interwoven, but it actually, we're to be knit together. You know what knitting is, or you know like fabric, love knits people together. At a heart level. The body of Christ spiritually has been joined together. We're one with the Lord and one with one another. Love causes us to be knit together at a heart level. I care about you. Not in a weird way, but a God way. You know what I mean? And when, when we're at that place and we're growing in love, man, there's nothing that can tear us apart because... If, if you mess up or I mess up, you're willing to forgive and, and I'm willing to forgive. This is not normal. This is, this is not what's taught in the world. This is kingdom business. This is how heaven is. Notice this verse, verse 12 or 13. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another. Even as Christ forgave you, and, and here's how Christ forgives you, freely. Not like, you know, and some people do this. Oh Lord, I've done this so many times. Would you just forgive me one more time? You don't need to talk like that to him. You don't. Because you maybe have done it 500 times and he's like, yeah, freely. 
You don't have to twist his arm after a while. He'll just freely. And really, he's basically telling us, and if we're to be knit together in love, we're going to have to forgive one another because unforgiveness can tear. It can tear a marriage. It can tear a relationship. It can tear a church. It can do things that it was never meant to do. You don't find people who are having a bad relationship who are forgiving. Like one person said, I'll forgive you, but I'll never forget it. Well, no, that's not forgiving. Let me just keep reading. Notice Christ forgave you. You know what's so cool when you can observe somebody else do something? A lot of people pick up habits from other people. Isn't that true? Why do we tell our kids, maybe don't hang around with that type of person? The Bible said don't hang around with a, an angry man, one who just blows up. Lest you learn of his way and it gets a snare in your soul or you start thinking and functioning that way. But now we're looking at here about looking and putting our focus on Christ. And when we focus on Christ, we recognize He freely forgives. And He gives complete forgiveness. And he, so He said, here's what we need to do. We need to forgive like He did. And He said, we must do it that way. It wasn't a suggestion you know, when brought, God brought the Ten Commandments, He didn't call them the Ten Suggestions. I give you the Ten Suggestions. If they, you know, if you don't want any other gods before me, well, it would be. If I suggest you don't. He said, no, don't. This is not a suggestion. I am to forgive you. And if somebody says, well, I don't want to, want to. It will be healthy. It will be spiritually healthy. Somebody said, oh, but I grew up not doing this, but you are not the same person you were before you got saved. You may have some old training in your mind you need to get rid of, but this is the best way. Notice verse 14, but above all these things, put on love. Remember, the greatest of these, he said, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Let me read this in some different verses. This will help huge because we've been making this statement about God's love, how it should weave through all that we do for God. In other words, whether we speak by inspiration, it will become really effective. Whether we give knowledge and share truths, it needs to be interwoven with love, with patience, with kindness. Notice this, verse 14 in the NIV. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Notice how that love binds together. Notice it doesn't tear apart, it binds together. When love is operating in a family, when love is operating in a church, which we would call the body of Christ, a true group of believers, 
it will do something at a heart level that will bring sweetness and the things of God in a way that the world knows nothing about. As a matter of fact, the world will become evil and more evil, the Bible said, as time progresses near toward the second coming of the Lord. And it's interesting, he said, the reason it would become so perilous is because people would be lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God. In other words, they'll be self-absorbed, and love is not, God's love is not self-absorbed. Why do we see all this in the world? Because people don't know about the love of God. They don't have the love of God. They're self-absorbed. And if you ever notice friends who have conflict, you'll observe, you know, in many cases, it's because people are self-absorbed. Now, I could understand if you're trying to live according to the truth and everybody's pulling you, trying to pull you a different way, you might consider new friends or get them to come to know the Lord or something uh, or, and, and maybe choose some different ones. But I'm talking with believers, there should be something here. It will help us immensely. Notice this in another translation, the English Standard Version says this, above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Notice all the things that we do in our endeavors, in our walk with God, and in our life. What connects them together and what makes them perfect in harmony? Love. Not the world's love, not their definition of love, but the love that comes from God. Notice this in the NLT translation. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Notice what binds me to you, and to you, and to you, or you to me. Because think about it. I could be bound to somebody because I love them, and we're not talking a physical binding, but when you love something, doesn't it bring some type of attachment? And when I love somebody, it binds me to them. I can love the lost. The, one, the worst sinners in the world. And it binds me to them. I want to help them. What drives people to reach people? Love. Man, they need the Lord. And so it attaches, but it doesn't attach them to me. You ever tried to talk to somebody and they didn't want to hear it? But you were doing it because you cared? But God will still work through that. But we're talking about not just those relationships with love. We're talking about in the kingdom of God. People who are saved, whether they go to this church or a different church, but genuine believers, I should have love. That binds me to them. If they walk in this love, that binds them to me. Notice this. Above all, clothe yourselves with this love. You can't clothe yourself with clothes unless you first have them. The Bible said everybody who is born of God gets 
has love. Now, it needs to be put on. When I put on love in a body of believers, it starts binding me to them. What makes the weaving process really good? When you put on love toward other people and it starts weaving us together. It's not a weird thing. It's not a me trying to get something out of somebody. It's just a spiritual characteristic that starts weaving us together and locking us together. It is a commodity of the kingdom. It's very inviting to people. It's not the only thing we do, but it's to be interwoven in what and all that we do. You know what amen means. It means, ow, that hurt. No, it means so be it. This stuff is good because what it'll do when you hear this, you'll go, this is what my heart wants. This is what my spiritual life wants. I've got all these spiritual things, prophecy, knowledge, you know, I'm connected to this body, but this is to be interwoven. And he said, it brings, it binds us all together in perfect harmony. You know, a challenge in music is for everybody to sing good and the harmony sounds good. Ah, who is that? <laughs> Binding together in harmony, you don't notice it all, but you're like, that is a sweet sound. And there is just something to be said about when we work this into our lives. Now you understand it's going to take people, different people doing it. And the more people who are doing this are really people who are growing. It will cause people to be connected in a way that will bring harmony. And when there is harmony, it's just an easy place for God to move. Why? Because God is love. Which binds us all together. Well, they don't look like me. They don't hang out with the people I hang out with. But if they're a believer, this love will bind us. And then if the other person is walking in, it will bind us. That doesn't mean... I'm going to be hanging out with you all the time or you're going to have to hang out with me all the time because after a while then there's who can you hang out with? But just having this motive will bind us together. Turn to Colossians, the first chapter. Or second chapter. And then we'll read one more verse. We'll be done. Uh, maybe this will be it. Because we'll be back next week. How can we not if we're walking in love and we're bound one to another? We'll like to be together. Amen. Colossians 2, verse 2. Notice this verse here. It's talk, talking to believers. We'll read verse 1. For I want you to know, this is this writer who wrote this by God. I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you. Here this writer is having this great conflict. 
Now, this conflict he's having is not like, you guys, oh, brother, I have this conflict. No, he was conflicted, and he'll explain why he had this conflict. He said, I have this conflict, great conflict. I have for you and those in Laodicea, for as many have, have not seen me in the flesh. This is the conflict he had. It was really a conflict of he wanted something to happen in their lives. And he wasn't sure if it was happening. And he was like, man, you guys are a group of believers. And, and, and I want this to happen for you. And I'm conflicted. You know, because how many people are conflicted about, you know, various things? And it's interesting what he was conflicted about for these people. He said that, that your hearts are their hearts, meaning you and Colossae and you and Laodicea, which would include this church or, you know, in Mesa, that your hearts may be encouraged. He wanted encouraged hearts. But notice this, being knit together. Notice that same terminology about love, how it enhances different things. And here he talks about being knit together. Why do some people depart? They get offended. They don't forgive. There's a tearing. What brings binding? What, what, what happens in a marriage when there isn't uh, this kind of love? And we're going to look at what it looks like because there's a lot of opinions. We'll look later, meaning not in a half hour, probably next week or the week after, because if you know what it is and you put it into practice, it'll cause this weaving. It'll, it'll mend a marriage. It'll help your relationship with God. It will enhance everything that happens in the kingdom of God. 2 verse 2 now. As many as not seen me in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged. He wanted encouraged hearts. God doesn't want you discouraged. He wants you encouraged. He wants the whole body encouraged. And he also wants this, that your hearts be knit together in love. Notice that interweaving of love through all things. And here, this God love weaves us together. Here's what I know about this. I can't make you walk in love and be woven to me. I'm just going to love people. There will be a weaving this way. What will make it stronger? You know, I, I like to hike. There's this one place going up to Superstition Peak, the highest peak. There's a ledge. And often you have to reach down and pull somebody because you swing out over this ledge. And you would go down. It's up right at the top. There's this band. And usually, I, you know, I'll do it. I'll swing out. And you're like this. And you're, there's a ledge. And then you pull up. And so what happens is once I get up, people who are height challenged, height deficient, they can't make that reach. So you reach down and I do this because sometimes they'll grab your hand. No, grab a hand. Grab my wrist and you hold on to it tight and I'm going to grab your wrist and hold on tight. If your hand slips, I'm holding on. 
there's just a greater bond when each one is doing their part. Are you with me? And this is how this love needs to be. There needs to be each one grabbing on. Because if you're just holding my hand and I open my hand, hiya. Bye. <laughs> that your heart's being encouraged, being knit together in love, attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and Son. But without going into explanation, we're going to close. Realize this, love is super important. There is no growth without love. And there is just some stuff that happens in, with love that doesn't happen any other way. Not the world's love, God's love.